and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Rack Show. I'm one of your hosts, Frank Horvath. Joining with me in studio is your other host, Mr. Tim Kelly of Apache Solutions. Tim, how are you doing today? Wonderful, man. How are you? I am fantastic. It has been a wonderful week. Things have been uh, rocking and rolling along. We've been doing quite a bit of work getting things uh, moving. Added some uh, fun things up at Apache as far as uh, you know some technical IT type things. So that's that's been fun. But uh, yeah, been uh, been rocking and rolling pretty good. Awesome. So we have a fun show for our listening audience today. Uh, we are talking about instructors. Oh, we're, the, <laughs> so fun. we're all things instructors. Uh, so what does a uh, what to look for in a quality instructor? You know, good instructors. What's that look like? Bad instructor. What's that look like? Because unfortunately, they're out there. Right. And uh, so let's kick it off. I'm going to kick it over to you first. So okay. Tim, what would you look for in a quality instructor? Well, if we're talking about firearms instructors in general, um, a, a quality instructor should have uh, a handful of different traits, um, maybe some, some prior experience as a teacher of some sort, as a leader of some sort, um, and always, you know, check for some type of rating or certification from, right. you know, a recognized organization um, that, that generally goes a long way, and someone that's actually passionate about it. Right. You know, I think that that really goes a long way. If you're passionate, that means you're you understand if you're passionate about this as an instructor, that means that you are a forever student. Right. So it means if you talk to um, if you ask your instructor when the last time they took a class was and they say 10 years ago or back when I was in the Marine Corps. Right. Uh, Probably, probably not gonna, you're going you're gonna to be lacking some quality there. Yeah, yeah and, you know, something else, you know, when you find an instructor who's passionate about something, you know, passion can go two different directions. You right. know, you can have, you know, they're, they're super passionate about it and they're way off base mm-hmm. or they're super passionate about something and, like, they're just, they're keeping up with things, keeping up with study, keeping up with, you know, whatever, you know, whatever topic that they're teaching. In our particular case, talk about, you know, firearms instruction. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, the things I look for in that quality instructor, much like what you said, I'm looking for that forever student. I'm looking for somebody who is, you know, you know, actively growing, actively learning. Hey, I'm looking for somebody who's, um, willing to admit, you know, um, that they don't know the answer to the question. Yeah. You know, so, uh, something that I, I really enjoy doing or, or, or participating in is, you know, if a student asks a question, I'm not going to you know, lie to them and say, oh, well, this is what the answer to this question is. I'm, I'm going to look at them in the eye and say, you know what? I do not know. Yeah. I'm going to find out. I'm going to, you know, figure out, you know, whatever the question, answer to your question is, and I'm going to learn myself. But yeah. that's going to, that's an opportunity for me to grow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's one of my favorite, one of my favorite questions to get is the ones that I can't answer yeah. because it forces me to go out and educate myself on the subject and yeah. be able to articulate it better. Right. And right. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's a, that's an excellent quality of an instructor. I mean, and to to your point, uh, some folks view this as I've been trained, right? Where there's an ED attached to the end of it. There's finality, right? right. And, and and this isn't a this isn't this isn't finite like that. Like you don't just go get certified and say ominous dominus, you know. You know to quote. <laughs> I won't misquote him, but I also won't include some certain words in this for the sake of the show. But to quote <laughs> one of our one of our great mentors, Tom Givens, you know, you're messing with people's lives here. Right. Like when you're talking about a firearms trainer for self-defense, you're messing with people's lives here. You really need to take this seriously. And 
speaking of Tom Givens, I mean, he's 70-something years old. Mm -hmm. He still makes a point to get at least one class where he goes and learns. As a student. As a student. Yeah, as an absolute student. Right. And and not to mention all the classes that he teaches across the country and all the books he reads, all the articles he reads, and the stuff that he learns, you know, just in... in, you know, from his colleagues and from, right. you know, from us. You know? Right, right. You know, <clears throat> you know, and, you know, to, to make a point of that also, so, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a fantastic uh, example of a good instructor, right? Mm-hmm. He, you know, is regularly updating himself. He's updating his community. He's letting people know, you know, um, you know shameless plug there, like I'm a member of his Patreon page, Same. and he's constantly sending out just fantastic information, maybe not necessarily stuff that he's, you know, written himself, but of other instructors, other uh, just people, uh, right. other authorities that are in the industry um, that have something to say about a particular topic. Um, and so it's it's just a, it's a, a wealth of information. Um, he had posted one not long ago talking about, uh, you know, uh, different, uh, you know, like the ballistic effects of you know, certain cartridges, of home mm-hmm. defense cartridges. Fantastic read. Yeah. Um, he's posted some uh, articles, well, actually by you, Tim. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, one of our other guys, Dan Brady, um, yeah. you know, he, so there's just a, a great wealth of information that, that, you know, he's taking in, but he's also pushing back out. Sure. That leads me to the next one. So what is an ex- what it, <laughs> our, our favorite topic, you know, what uh, is an example of a, a poor instructor? Um, you know, for me, like it is somebody who is not safe. Um, you know, we hear horror stories, we things like that all over the place. Um, but if just because somebody says that their instructor doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. There has to be some weight. There has to be some, you know, proof behind that. It's easy. That's easy. That's easy to find, in my opinion. I think it is is much easier to run across the instructor who doesn't have – it's easily identifiable that they don't have the experience, they don't have the knowledge, and they're just flying by the seat of their pants. Most most people, even if they don't have a a deep level of education in this subject – most people can identify when somebody's just, you know, kind of... Blowing smoke. Yeah, yeah, blowing smoke through the whole thing, right? It's the ones who actually do know what they're talking about. Right. Who are very, like, very good at it, but they are unsafe in the way they, produce, the way they present the content. Right. The, those are the ones that are hard. Because, I, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. I'm fine. I've found myself working with an instructor who inspires inspires me. And, you know, uh, I learned a great deal of information from all the find that this instructor goes off and does something completely careless, right, and puts his students in danger. And it's like, man, <laughs> right. that's, that's a difficult one. That's a difficult one to navigate. It, it really is, you know, and but, you know, the, the, the crux of that is, you know, speaking up and saying something, sure. you know, if you're there, if you're participating, whatever it may be. Right. Uh, and, you know, and, and also on the, on the other side of that is you know, just don't take somebody who says that they're instructed for base granted. You know, people, people can have lapses of judgment, right? Things sure. happen. Absolutely. And, and because of that, you need to stay on your toes. Let's say that you're in a class or you're uh, taking a private session or something like that with an instructor and something doesn't feel right, look right, taste right, smell right stop and say something yeah. like, Hey, you know what? I'm done. I know that, you know, you're, you're at, at this you know, particular moment, a point of authority, but 
I'm not letting that get in the way of my life, my safety, yeah. you know, my, my ability to have a, a wholesome life. Yeah. Um, you know, something else that, that um, you know, I'd see a lot, especially, you know, we'll say there's some big name instructors, you know, people fall into like dogma. They're like, yeah. you know what, this guy knows what he's talking about. I'm going to live, breathe, live by everything that, you know, this guy is saying that's coming out of this dude's mouth but they don't stop and analyze it or think about it for themselves. Yeah. I think that's dangerous. Yeah. We, we call that drinking the Kool-Aid and that's, that's, that's found in any community, man. Yeah. It's not, it's not just a firearms training community. You can find that anywhere you go where folks uh, essentially are just, they're just taking in everything as, you know, this is, this is the word, this is the way it goes. This is right. how it's supposed to be a hundred percent of the time. And, um, you know, that's, that's an easy one to fall into. Yeah. Yeah, one, you know, something that that you know, I would you know push our, our listeners to say is you know vet your instructors. That's right. the biggest piece. You know, you should be able to sit down and say, hey, what are your credentials? Why are you teaching what you're teaching? And how did you come to this conclusion? Like, have that honest conversation with them. Right. If the instructor founders or they start talking about some other experience, uh, then uh, there's something else there. We'll uh, we'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Rack Show, where we talk about everything regarding the responsibly armed citizen. My name is Tim Kelly. Here with me, I have Frank Horvath, and we've been talking about what quality file, firearms instructors look like. And um, we've, we've kind of gone over a few different things, what a good instructor looks like, what a bad instructor looks like, that type of thing. Uh, the next thing we want to talk about is what about a law enforcement or military background how much how much weight does that carry in uh, the the civilian firearms training community what so so this is something that you know we see in an industry you know often um, uh, full disclosure I am not law enforcement I'm, I am not military I am average or a civilian here um, I just I, I seek training right I'm, con I'm I'm one of those forever students I'm constantly mm -hmm. going I'm constantly getting um, more education but because of that I've run into a lot of these guys who just solely rest on the laurels of I was in the military I, I happen to be a cook but you know so because because I was a cook I'm a, also a, a firearms expert right. but um, you know the the that 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 kind of you know mentality is super dangerous. Now, I don't want to discredit, right? So there are, are plenty of law enforcement military who um, use their background and their training to be able to help other citizens, you know, learn certain things. I don't necessarily agree that all of the tactics and things like that that is taught and all of the the ways that, you know, certain firearms are manipulated should be taught, you know, on, on the civilian side. Um, there's, I, there's not a place for it. Um, but as far as, you know, maybe some of that background, sure, I'll, I'll admit to that. But Tim, you're a Marine, right? Mm -hmm. You are a Marine. Yes. Um, so I think you could, um, I think you could better provide examples. So let me, let me turn that back on you. Okay. With your background as a Marine, how did that help you becoming a firearms instructor to help teach people today about, you know, self-defense firearms instruction? I could literally talk about this topic for an entire show. Like, th this is this goes pretty deep with me. I'm trying. Where, where do I start? 
I think I had that type of, no, I know I had that type of mentality when I first got out of the military before I recognized what the training community looks like in the civilian world, before I had any idea that that even existed. I had it in my mind that I was in the Marine Corps. I had it figured out. You know, I'm a combat veteran at that. Like I'm, I wasn't just a, I wasn't a cook in the right. Marine Corps, right? I, I went out there, did what I had to do, and I come back. And yeah, of course I know how to sling a gun around. But it's a completely different world, a completely different world. You're talking about conventional warfare, right? Somebody who has experience in conventional warfare versus a average Joe, a father of two kids, a husband, you know, a guy that goes out and pushes a nine to five. You're, there is, that's night and day. Right. That is night and day. So... My qualifications and my experience from the Marine Corps only amount to a small piece of what Apache is today, right? A, a small piece. And I would say my leadership experience, you know, and maybe maybe a small fraction of combat experience has, has you know, helped out with this. But really, not, not a lot. Um, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that it doesn't it doesn't give me the the automatic right to just teach civilians how to protect themselves because it's completely different. All right, one of the things that I'm constantly, I'm constantly talking to veterans about this type of thing and I see them every time, every single time they'll come by at a conference, they'll come by at a, you know, when we're having a at a festival or something like right. that and you'll get the dude that was like, "Oh, I'll, you know, I've got I went ahead. I got my concealed carry, but just so you know, I was in the army. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, okay, well, that's great, man. He's like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I can protect myself. Okay, that's where you're wrong. Like, and that, that's a hard pill for people like us to swallow, right? When you're out there being Mister Awesome, you know, and you come back and you still feel like Mister Awesome, it, it's it's um, it's naive to believe that 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 is going to easily transfer over to the civilian world. It doesn't work. It just doesn't compute, period. I mean, you think about it. I was only that awesome because I had 14 other awesome dudes with me. Right. With body armor. Yep. And machine guns. And I had literally had death on the other end of the line of my comms on my gear. I, I could order destruction anywhere I wanted it if right. my, I felt like my life was threatened. If I got hurt or injured, someone was going to come and help me. Right. If I got pinned down somewhere, I had backup. We had QRF, a right. quick reactionary force. Right? You had all kinds of support. You don't have any of that as a civilian. Right. None of that. If you're a veteran listening to this show right now, I want you to swallow that pill. Swallow that pill and, and really think hard about that. Think about all the assets that you had in the military that you no longer have today. It doesn't just, you're not Rambo. It does not just transition over, you know, to the civilian world. If that were the case, we wouldn't be struggling as, as, as civilians, you know, veteran civilians. We, we wouldn't be struggling right now. You know, and if you swallow that pill, I'm telling you, there's a brighter light at the end of the tunnel. But that is, it. it 
it certainly doesn't qualify you to be an instructor to try to get around to your points. Right, right, right. Man, that's a, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> a lot, lot to unpack. Um, we're, we're, we're definitely, we're, we're going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to touch base on that. There's going to be a whole show devoted to that hundred yeah. percent. I mean, there's just, there's just so much information there. And again, I don't have a frame of reference aside from just having friends and, you know, I've, I've witnessed, I've seen firsthand that, uh, you know, that, 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 that mentality of, okay, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I was in the military. I have, I have it, I'm covered and everything. And just to have something happen and have the entire world fall apart around them. Right. You know, um, like you said, they don't have backup, right? They're right. there. You don't have a team of guys. It's literally, you know, you and your family right. or, you know, and whatever training, whatever interests that your spouse may have or right. not, you know, that's, that's, that's the struggle. So if it is you using the tools that you legally can have here with, you know, on your person, whatever it may be today, what are you going to be able to do? You know, um, how often do you personally train? You know, at what level of proficiency are you at? Now, that's the other thing that, again, you know, you know as a concealed carry instructor, now we run into often is, you know, somebody will say, oh, well, you know, I need to get my concealed carry, but I was a veteran. I'm, I'm squared away. I'm like, okay, man, cool. That's good. Good to hear you. You know, the, the class is focused on laws governing deadly force anyway. It has nothing to do with shooting. It's just, you know, shooting is a check in a box. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but unfortunately, um, not every time, but often when these people who have that type of, you know, attitude, we'll say, come to, you know, that class specifically, you know, they do absolute excellent, you know, in the, in the class, you know, they're, they're, you know, they participate in everything, but it came down time to shoot the state mandated minimum qualification. It didn't do so well. Yeah. Um, and that's, again, that's that, you know, that pill that you were talking about, they, they haven't swallowed that pill yet. They're still yeah. thinking that they're awesome because maybe at one time they were. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, 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 I understand that, but you know, just like training, you think there's a, uh, there will be some degradation of skill over time. Sure. You know, and so if you don't actively train, if you don't actively participate, if you're not actively picking up your farm and going to a range or something like that and, you know, putting some, some rounds down range or even dry firing, then there's going to be some, a little bit of degradation of skill. You're not going to lose it, but right. it's, you know, it, it's not going to be the same. Now you've, you've taken like civilian rated classes, like a, con- like a concealed carry class, maybe yep. uh, an NRA class or something like that. You've taken classes from prior military or prior law oh, yeah. enforcement, haven't you? Yep. Have you had both good and bad experiences with that? Absolutely. Um, so um, as far as the bad experience, what it tends up being is um, these these um, instructors would have, um, it's like storytelling time. Like everything relates back to what happened 20, 30 years ago, whatever it may be. And, uh, and same, not just military, but also law enforcement. Like, you know, well, when I was on the force, you know, and mm-hmm. it was just, it, the whole time was spent, you know, telling stories. Um, that, that is frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a paying student, I'm like, okay, man, I, 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 uh, I respect, you know, you, what you went through. And I respect, you know, your efforts, but I'm trying to create my own here. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to, yeah. you know, grow. Now, on the other side of that, uh, uh, I've had some fantastic um, uh, military, either prior, current military, and um, uh, law enforcement uh, instructors that have taught just phenomenal content, and it's because they were they were real grounded. They understood that there's a difference between you know the civilian uh, realm of self defense and law enforcement military, and they kept the content relevant. 
Uh, Phil Groth, Vigor Training, yeah. right? He's current law enforcement. Yeah, or, okay, he's, still, yeah. he's still law enforcement. Law enforcement. Yeah. Um, but he's uh, just a, a huge wealth of information. Yeah. He gives a, he can he he can you know break that divide down and say, hey, in a law enforcement context, this is this is what would apply. But on a civilian context, doesn't apply to you. Doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, this is you know, real world. You know, and and on top of that, he can give you real world. Um, metrics and real world data of showing, well, this is what happens. You know, we see this, you know, 70% of the time, and this is the outcome, you yeah. know, 70% of the time, whatever it may be. Um, I'm just fantastic, uh, fantastic instructor. But there are many other instructors that are just like that. Um, a law enforcement, somebody in law enforcement teaching concealed carry class, I really don't have an issue with that. Right. Um, you know, generally speaking, it's somebody who has, you know, studied the law, at least have been taught how to research the law. And generally speaking, now, again, I don't want to say always, but generally speaking, they understand what's, ha- what's happening and when. All phones mm. on silent, please. No, my bad. Um, but yeah, gen- generally speaking, they, they know exactly what's happening and when, and uh, it's not a it's it's a non-event. Right. So and <laughs> anywho, um, so yeah, that, that was my bad. That's all my, right. my bad. Listening audience. That's all right. Well, I would I will just say that um, you know before we go to break, this is not something for our, for our listeners here. If you're going out and and trying to find a good firearms instructor. Don't base your reasoning for taking their class because they were law enf- prior law enforcement or because they were prior military. Right. But certainly don't hold it against them either. Okay. It, it's not. It's not the only thing that's going to qualify a person um, to teach whatever it is that you're teaching. Now, a- another good way to look at it is what's their profession, right? If, if right. they were prior infantry or something like that, and you're trying to learn some infantry tactics, hey man, go learn from him. But they shouldn't, you know, if that's all the training they have, they shouldn't be taking teaching some basic pistol class or something like that. Yeah, and then, then again, I, I I lean on, you know, what's the, what's the real world civilian context of that? Sure. If it's just for entertainment, go do it. Um, but if it's for save your life, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe do something for else. We'll be right back. And we are back. You're listening to The Rack Show, the Responsibly Armed Citizen Show, where we give you all the things a responsibly armed citizen should know. Uh, so we've been talking about today uh, instructors, right? We were talking about uh, the uh, you know what quality instructors look like, what good instructors, bad instructors, etc. Uh, we talked a little bit about you know law enforcement, military background. Tim, we talked a little bit about your uh, background in, in uh, military as a Marine. Um, so I'm going to kick it back over to you. I tell me a little bit about your firearms uh, instructor journey. So, uh, as I'm sure our listeners already know, Tim is a he's the owner of Apache Solutions in Yakimville, North Carolina. Um, he is a he he's really the head guy at Apache, right? Um, he helps with literally or maintains every, literally everything. Um, so. But you weren't this, you know, gunslinging, awesome, you know, baddie right out of uh, right out of the military. So, so how did that evolve? How did how did that change? How did Tim become uh, the Tim of today? <laughs> well, it depends on your metric. <laughs> okay, I was pretty awesome. I was a fourth award expert on rifle and a third mm-hmm. award expert on pistol, mm-hmm. and according to Marine Corps standards. It does not mean I was any match for anyone at the TACCON shoot off. Right, you know, like that's. Uh, but I didn't understand that. I didn't have that metric then. All right. So I guess my journey started, <clears throat> excuse me, my journey started 
when I got out of the Marine Corps trying to figure out what I was going to do with myself, um, I ended up in college, earned my degree in mechanical engineering, set out on a, on a journey to learn how to design and manufacture firearms and firearms components, did that for a short period of time. Um, and I seen a pretty significant hole in the in the community, in the gun community for firearms training. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems like anywhere you go for firearms training, it's either a state mandated a state mandated class that you need to take. Uh, so it's it's dogma, right? Or it's uh, it's it's another class that's essentially. <sighs> It's watered down, and it's it's not really it, it's institutional type stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, dogma. Right, right. There's there's very little places where someone could go and actually grow. And I say the closest thing to that would just be like your your average gun range. But when you go to the average gun range, you don't get an instructor. Right. You get a bay, a gun, some ammo, a target. And you just poke holes in the paper. Right. Every once in a while, somebody might come over and say, hey, don't flag people. Or, hey, you're jerking the trigger or something like that. So you might get some, like, a little instruction here and there. But nothing nothing really that, that, you know, that existed to really help people. And again, as I said before, there's no real metric for armed citizens. Right. So with all of these problems that I was seeing, you know, I had to try to come up with some solutions. So right. I said, well, well, if I can't find it, might as well fix it. So we started Apache Solutions. And Apache is designed much like a gym with a private trainer. So students come out for one-on-one -on -one sessions for an hour, maybe two-hour block of instruction. We meet that student where they are, and we help them uh, help them grow um, wherever they're at in their firearms training journey. It doesn't right. matter if they're a beginner, if they've been shooting their whole life, Right. So I didn't just open up the business and start doing that with, you know, Marine Corps and college under my background. I knew pretty quickly that I needed to branch out and get more education in the civilian world. And so I, I think my first real, I mean, I took several NRA classes, mm -hmm. um, worked my way up to be an instructor through the NRA, that type of thing. But my first real experience um, that led me to this calling was a handgun combatives course with Dave Spaulding up in mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. I went with a good friend of ours. And um, that's where I woke up and said, oh, man, like, uh, th this is what I'm looking for. This is what my community needs. Yep. And so uh, at that class, w one thing I'll never forget is Dave, Dave had um, had a print-off of metrics. And I was like, oh, man, there, there they are. There they are. That's the standard, Right. And these standards are tight. They're pretty. They're pretty tight. Mm -hmm. And I said, "This is what we need to master." Yep. And if we're going to teach this type of thing, this is what we need to study. This is what we need to master. So, handgun combatives classes galore, man. That's what I took. Yep. Right. Now I didn't just stop there. I kept venturing out and taking other classes too. Um, and I still continue to do so. I, I remember uh, as a student of Tim's many, many, many years ago, well, I, I won't want to say many years ago, but um, several years ago, uh, I remember literally uh, the the week after Tim and uh, the other friend of ours came back from that class, right? The hanging combatives class. Man, you guys were on 
fire. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there was just, there was a night and day difference between, um, you know, the literally the week prior to the very next week, uh, there was, you know, all these changes and, you know, different ideas and we had those metrics and, mm. you know, there, there was a measurable standard now, um, that was established of what our goals or what we're working towards, um, and what we needed to, you know, work to- towards mastering. Um, yeah, I, I, I remember that. Yeah. I remember that vividly. And I think, I, you know, I think over the years, uh, we've, we've, as we've continued to grow, uh, we've had the luxury because we are structured so much differently than everybody else. We've, we've had the luxury of using our private sessions as kind of like our laboratory. Mm-hmm. So we've developed a lot of our curriculum through what works and what doesn't work with private students. Right. So all of our classes have been built around what happens in private sessions. Right. And I think that's one of the things that makes us really special. The other thing is I'm not the only one doing this. Right. And, and, I mean, we were just talking about this earlier. Like, we've reached a completely different point point in this this career, right, in this business. Um, I don't. I don't have a big role in um, in teaching private sessions anymore. We have instructors that have come up and do it really, really well. Yeah. Right. And and, and that's something that that's really interesting. Uh, kind of about the dynamic of Apache is, you know, there's so many different people, with so many different backgrounds. Right. We're all not clones of Tim. Right. So, for example, you Thank know, my, <laughs> yeah, right. So, so, for example, you know, my my background in, in coming up, you know, with my instructor journey is completely different, polar yeah. opposite. You know, mine stemmed from uh, I wanted to learn more about you know self defense in general. So I was chasing all of these different experiences. Um, I was going to all these different classes and things like that of other instructors who are around the uh, you know Iredell County, you know Mecklenburg area. And uh, they were just that, they were experiences. I really wasn't, you know, it was about, I was learning how to be a cool guy, how to look cool on, you know, running a gun, but I really wasn't learning the nuts and bolts of what it meant for self-defense. Mm. Um, I happened to stop in a gun shop one day, uh, and I met this long-bearded hippie fella who invited me to come out to a class, <clears throat> Tim, and... Uh, and and or not excuse me not a class or a private session, yeah. and uh, I rolled out to this uh, you know dirt hole, <laughs> and uh, we, we we shot into a dirt berm, and uh, I looked like an you know an absolute fool, but that was my first real taste of what actual you know private one on one training was, mm-hmm. um, and that was that was with you and, and another instructor at the time. And uh, that I, I mean, I, that caught on like fire. So you know, I think you and the other instructor had a bet that I wasn't going to show up. I would just come back again. Yeah. But I did. And then like a bad rash, I just kept showing up again <laughs> and again and again and again. And then I, I remember, I very distinctly remember at some point, and this, you know, I, I joined on Apache. It probably wasn't even six months after Apache was officially open. It was, it was really early on. And uh, I remember at some point, you and this other instructor said, hey, you know, you're, you're doing a lot that's up here. You should really consider coming out and, and you know, teaching yourself. And I was like, nah, I'm, I'm good. Not my thing. I appreciate it. You know, thanks. Thanks for that. But that's just not not me. And then, uh, you know, some time went by. My church had this thing. It was a bullets, uh, Bible bullets and barbecue. So it was just a men's fellowship event where we all just got together and ate good food and, you know, did some stuff in the Bible. And we had a little range that was set up. So we were down there shooting up the range. 
and the range portion stressed me so bad. Like <laughs> it wasn't organized well. It was just yeah. you know everybody and their brother was just bringing stuff out and just you know bu- you know shoot shooting into uh, you know it was nice safe backstop, but still like it was just no emergency procedures, nothing. no med So I went on like mini Tim mode and I was like, all right, this is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. Like I, I took control <laughs> of that entire event. I I literally spent the entire time teaching other people. What, how to use their firearms. And these are guns that I've never seen, I've never touched before, but like I was coaching these people on what to do. Um, and then, you know, again, the, my, my church, uh, fellow church members. And uh, something about that just was like a light bulb for me. Yeah. I mean, it, I was just, I was like, all right, fine, I'm, I'm in. And I remember com- coming back to you guys, like, all right, fine, I'm, I'm not going to teach yet, but I'm, let me shadow. Let me, yeah. let, me, let me watch. So every chance I could to get on the range and shadow and watch and observe, eventually I got uh, comfortable enough to you know, start branching out and, and, and uh, doing some things. And then I took a break away from um, you guys, from Apache, for, gosh, it was probably six, eight months, almost a, a year. It was, it was a while. And I ventured out to a bunch of other places. That's mm-hmm. where I first uh, got caught wind of Range Masters, where I first caught wind of some other instructors. And then came back and I realized, you know, Apache was something very special. There was something, you know, very, very, very special here. Um, and I wanted I wanted more. Um, so I started taking a more active role in, in teaching, instructing, and doing things. And that was, you know, several years ago. And now since then, I've taken a number of other classes. Um, I now have uh, my latest achievement uh, is a Range Master Master Certification through uh, Range Master. So I've gone through all of his classes except for the one he just announced. His, what was it? Professional. P- professional pistol, yeah. uh, pistol instructor, which I think you guys are. You yeah, and, me and Zach. You and Zach are going to take that here yeah. very soon. And, uh, uh, yeah, so it just, it, it, it's never ending, right? Yeah. There's always something have, you know, multiple, uh, I think almost all rain, uh, NRA certifications less, just, just a handful. And, uh, again, I just, I'm passionate about it. I love yeah. it. Uh, you know, I, I went after the, the North Carolina concealed carry instructor, um, not just so I could, you know, hand out certificates cause you're not making any money doing this. Um, but it's because I was passionate about it. Right. Yeah. So I had an, another instructor friend of ours who was very passionate about the law and that was addictive. You know, mm-hmm. he, he went through and explained to me why he was so passionate about it. And like a wildfire, I, that caught on to me. I was like, yeah, yeah I can see that man. I'm, I'm a hundred percent bought in. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so so to, I said all that to say everyone is different, yeah. right? So, and that's the cool thing about you know the instructors we have at Apache is literally everybody up there has a different background. They've all approached it a different way. Right. You know, my story is not the same as Tim's. It isn't the same as Zach's, and you know it's. Yeah. And, and we grow from hanging with each other and learning from each other. Right. You know, some of some of the the the, the get-togethers uh, that we have, man, are are some of the the think tanks for. Uh, some of our greatest creations, you know, yep. um, and, and, and that's, that's a unique thing. It right. is, it is really special, but I will tell you that our journeys aren't really all that special or unique. Most, most quality firearms instructors have very, very similar journeys oh, as yeah. instructors, right? Less trained and more training. Right. And, and, and that's the thing, right? Training, training, training. I mean, the, if you talk to, you know, one, you know, firearms instructor or another, it's always about training. What's yep. the next thing you're going to do? What's yep. the last thing you did? I mean, there's some some great information and great wealth of knowledge out there. Amen. Well, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back. Welcome back to the Responsibly Armed Citizen Show. My name is Tim Kelly. With me, I have Frank Horvath, and we have been talking about firearms trainers, what they are, um, how to find good quality instructors, uh, how to recognize a bad one. We've uh, gone over how much weight law enforcement or military backgrounds carry in the firearms, the civilian firearms training sector. Uh, we've talked about our, my, my firearms training or instructor journey, uh, Frank's instructor journey. We've talked about all kinds of different interesting stuff. So if you're just now listening, uh, make sure to, to pick this show back up from the beginning. It's been a very interesting conversation between me and Frank, and um, we've certainly had a lot of fun. So we are going to roll into the competency of the month. So first, let me explain what competency of the month is. So our competency of the month started off as a way for us as a cadre inside of Apache Solutions uh, to challenge one another, challenge each other's knowledge base, challenge each other's experience levels and that type of thing, and encourage you to go out and study and learn a little bit more. So every month we release what we call the competency of the month, and it's a topic to discuss and that our cadre have an opportunity to write an article, um, you know, do a report or something like that, Mm -hmm. or submit a video and do a presentation on the topic. And uh, honestly, it's been a lot of fun. So we decided to open it up to the the Responsibly Armed Citizen Show and share it with the community. And myself and Frank are just going to talk about the the, the subject at hand. Now, this month's uh, competency is a little more in Frank's in Frank's realm of expertise, he, he kind of lives and loves this stuff. So we're going to be talking about the functions of a cartridge or shell and the phases of ballistics. And I think the concentration today is going to be on reloading. Yeah, buddy. That's, that's your show. That's your <laughs> reloading. Show. I have, I, I'll, I'll have to start with that. So I, I started reloading, I don't know, has it been? A few, four, a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, I guess four or five years ago. And I, I still can't do it now, like <laughs> by myself without Frank there holding my hand. Like there's oh, just, goodness. hey man, come set this up for me. It's almost like, it's, it's almost like I need him to, to, to uh, be my training wheels on bicycle. <laughs> like it's, it's awful. I, it's, it's complicated for somebody like me, especially what's surprising about it is I have an engineering degree. Like I should be able to figure right, this stuff out, right. but I get so, I get so wrapped up around, you know, all the ins and outs of reloading. Yeah. So can you, can you first start off? Tell me, tell me what a basic first time reloader, yeah. first time to reloading, what do they, what do they need and what can they put on a side burner and learn about later? So it's very easy when you're first getting to reloading to uh, want all the things, yeah. right? Because there's a lot of shine, just like any new hobby, like there's shiny things that, oh, well, I have to have this and this and this and that and, you know, all these other kind of things. Um, you need to, to start off, right? I'm talking bare bones. You need a single stage press, um, just like a like a rock chuck or something like that, just something that, um, you know, it, it's, it's a single die doing a single function. You're doing a single job at a time. You need a full set of dies, whatever cartridge you decide to reload on. You need to have a a reference material of some sort, so like a a ballistics book that breaks down um, the 
powders and the the different bullet weights and the overall length of cartridge and you know that really breaks down what you're going to be doing to your cartridge when you're reloading um, you must have a, a solid reference material um, there's a lot of information that's online but I would I would steer clear of that at least at first because just like you know anything else online there's a lot of junk on there also um, especially when you're reloading you need to be especially careful with the information that you're using because what works for somebody may not necessarily work for you and if it doesn't work for you it could potentially be you know hazardous um, sure. you know if something happens you're you know you're loading a cartridge wrong or something like that you know um, if if the firearm that you're putting in and can't handle those pressures, then we can be calling you nubs the rest yeah. of your life. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, uh, yeah, our reference material you need to have a scale. Um, uh, and then you'll, uh, and then that's for measuring out like your, your, uh, different weights, uh, for your powder and things of that nature. And, uh, even maybe even verifying your projectile weights. Um, again, it, it, you know, that, that's something that I like verifying. Um, and then uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, you can get away with. Um, I mean, there's, there's some manual, you know, things that you can do to to get away from that. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, gauges. I'm sorry, gauges and calipers. You want yeah. go no go gauges. You want a set of calipers. Um, but um, every, everything else are going to be just add-ons. There are things that are going to help make things safer. Right, so um, you're gonna want it like a blast-proof cabinet to keep your powder in, things of that nature. You want to have, um, you know, make sure that there are no open flames around your reloading bench, so no candles, no smelly things, whatever it may be. You want to stay away from your furnace if um, you know any source of ignition. But there's a there, there's a lot of extra stuff that we get sold on on the reloading as a reloader on the reloading side that you really don't need, right? Until you kind of get you're grounded in how to reload and the functions of doing that, how to reload a, a, a cartridge. And you know that what even those single stage presses, I love running a single stage presses for precision rifle ammunition. You know, there's just a there's a feel to it. You can feel each and every cartridge. You you can uh, you know that that cartridge is absolutely perfect. And if you're using you know once fired brass out of whatever the rifle that your specific rifle that you're, you're reloading for, then you can feel literally everything. Like everything is identical. Everything is perfect. Like the weights are identical. Um, you know, if you're using a a quality powder measure. Um, a way of, of distributing the powder um, out in, onto the scale, then you can go through and say, okay, well, this is exactly the grain weight that I need for this particular load for this particular rifle, you know, whatever it right. is. Um, but then, as, you know, all things, you can get sucked into a hobby, which I did, uh, and I went from a, you know, a single-stage press to a progressive, which just means all the dies are on, on the on the the die on the plate on the press at once and it you can just swap the press around um to move the dies around you're still running the handle right um so how wait but um, let me stop you there yeah. for our listeners um sake when you're talking about dies these dies all perform a different job yes right so how many dies does it take to reload just one cartridge one let's say we'll just we'll use the ar-15s two two three or five five six cartridge yep 
How many dies does it take? You're going to want at least a minimum of three dies. Four is probably going to be closer to what, you, uh, what you're going to be end up using. Um, and again, every die has a particular job. So uh, you'll have a die that is you know popping out the, the used primer if you're using you know, um, uh, once-fired brass or something like that. <laughs> um, and then at the same time it's popping out the primer, it's also starting that resizing uh, process for okay. for the rifle. You have uh, another one who is uh, another die that is bringing you down a little bit closer to that that um, uh, final dimension uh, size for the actual brass. Uh, then you have another one that is uh, seating the bullet. Uh, the actual projectile itself inside of your your cartridge, and then you have another. Often you'll have another die that uh, after it's seated, it'll crimp the top of the brass uh, to the actual uh, projectile. Now again, it depends. It depends on the you know for like a rifle, um, you're going to use a little bit different set of dies. There's a little bit different processes that go you know, along with that, because often with a rifle, um, when you're resizing, when you're you know bringing all this material back in, you're elongating the cartridge. So because of that, you have to trim the cartridge back a little bit and adjust that. Sure. You don't have that. It's still there, but it's not as bad. You can, you can get away with not, not worrying about it with uh, uh, pistol cartridges. So for pistol cartridges, again, you still have, you know, those three, three odd, four, sometimes four or five dies, um, depending, again, depending on what you're doing and how you're doing it. But you, you're, you don't have to be as concerned with the, you still have to be concerned with the overall length and make sure it fits in, uh, fits in the gauge, but you don't have to be as concerned with how long that brass is mm -hmm. when you're seeding everything together and getting everything um, in, in place. So... Again, but the books that I was talking about, that reference uh, material I was telling you about before, that's really that's going to help lay everything out. It's going to say this is how long your brass needs to be. This is what the overall length supposed to be. This is what your shoulder height supposed to be. It it breaks everything down. Um, just you know, taking it slow. You know, go step by step. Find yourself an Elmer. Find yourself another Frank that can help, you know help guide you through the process of you know either setting up the press or going you know step by step of you know what you want to do and how you want to do it. Um, you know, the very first thing before you, you know you, you know, after you've picked up that single stage press is you need to say, okay, well, what cartridge am I going to reload on? And then buy a die set specific to that cartridge. You don't need anything fancy. You don't need carbide dies or anything like that. Just buy some old, you know, steel dies. Give them a little bit of love, um, and then just just experiment, learn, yeah. you know, figure things out. Um, I would be very cautious about um, actually cycling the first few, you know, cartridges that you make, you know, because you you need to learn the process. Mm -hmm. um, but after you get comfortable with that, after you feel solid that, you know, the, what you've produced matches what's in that reference material, uh, and then after you get some experience with actually cycling that, making sure it works, and yeah. you know you have your process down, then um, rock on. I mean, just that's that's really really where it goes. It sounds like you should be teaching a class on this. I mean, because I'm intrigued. Yeah. I, I would really like. See, so my brain works. My my brain works a little bit differently. Uh, I tend to get really impatient with this type of thing. Yep. Right. What I see is a lack of efficiency mm -hmm. when I see the single stage. You see an ability to perfect oh, and make, and, and you see consistency with that. Yep. I see inefficiency. Yep. I'm like, yeah, but one pull of the handle only does one task. 
Like, yep. whereas with this press over here, that has got all these other doohickeys on it. One pull of the handle does a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, so it, it's to me it, that that's been my problem. So if we could get a way to break this down into processes yep. and you could explain, this is the process we're working on. We're working on the depriming yep. uh, stage and priming stage all in this one sitting. And then we're going to come back, replace the die, put it up another one and do another process, yep. I think I'd be more apt to do something like that. So I need your class. Yep. Yep. So the, the class is coming. Okay. <laughs> so uh, me and another buddy of ours, uh, Rodney White, um, we've actually gone through and we have the class ready to go. Uh, we haven't presented it yet. The equipment's a little expensive. We're working on towards that. But you know, here very soon, I'm sure we're going to be doing something at Apache. Um, we'll maybe have a bunch of rock chuckers in class, you know, clamped to tables or something like that. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get together. I, I just love it. I mean, there's just so much information there. There's just it's just, I mean, I could talk an entire show literally about reloading, but it's just, it's, it's so much fun. But regardless, I think that's all the time we have for today. Um, we've uh, had a great show. Tim, thank you. And uh, Thanks, we'll everybody. see you guys next week. Bye.